I just can't do it. I cannot do it. I am incapable of reading. Surely he knows how to read. He's here at college. Welcome to Ben and Jeremy's, Ohio's Finest Podcast. This week we're going to talk about baseball prospects. And Ben and I are going to go through our three favorite prospects of all time. Some of these undoubtedly have turned into superstars, but other ones were huge busts. And we're going to talk about when we first heard about them, what got us excited about them, how we followed them throughout their journey to the major leagues, or their stalling out in the minor leagues and what they did after that, and what they did once they did or did not reach the show. Hope you enjoy. And we are recording. Awesome, are those, uh, what are those? Handful of everything. Ah. Ah. Most interesting trail mix I've ever had. It is sweetened by oranges, banana chips, yogurt flavored coated peanuts, chocolate chips, almonds, raisins, and coconut shavings. That is like, that is like, all right. If you told me, like, say I was from a different country and (laughs) I was like, oh, trail mix what's trail mix that's exactly what i would think trail mix is like who the hell let m&ms be in trail mix i mean like thank god god bless you because like i could be like having a handful like hey what's that handful of trail mix it's like that was 800 calories that that was that was nothing but almonds pretzels and m&ms it's like that was 40 grams of fat in one handful (laughs) yeah yeah, well, you basically just ate a pound of lard. <laughs> ah, it's trail mix. Trail mix, like, it's uh, second only to a good old-fashioned gorp. A good old-fashioned what? Gorp. A good gorp. old, good, it's G-O-R-P, good old raisins and peanuts. And uh, you can, if you can guess what's in it, there's raisins. <laughs> there's, there's raisins. There's peanuts. Yeah. And the good old part is all up to you. <laughs> one, one time, one time I ate gummy worms, raisins, and peanuts. Gummy worms? <laughs> gummy worms. Raisins. Why? Because I felt like, have, like uh, that's what I wanted to go with my gummy worms. I made it. That's what I... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I chose the good old to be. Exactly. It's all, it's dealer's choice. <laughs> I respect that. I went to war with a spider today. Okay. I woke up and left for practice. And I came back like 20 minutes later to get some breakfast. I just had to go there for a short, short little deal. And I came back to get some breakfast. Well, this spider must have been used to... Matt and I leaving for the day and then nobody coming back for several hours because I busted him. And oh, boy. Yeah, he was right by the front door. So there's like a little bit of like a gap in between the floor and the front door. Okay. Not like sometimes walls come together in the corner. 
And yes, that's normally like, how corners are made. <laughs> they, they come together. And if it's not the best made apartment, there's like a little bit of like clearance between the floor and where the wall starts. Yes. Well, in this corner by the front door, there is a little bit of clearance there. And he was out, he was out from underneath it. I could tell that that's where he was, was. So he was about 10 inches from my front door and my front door was open. So I tried to shoo him outside and he went right up into that little crack. Oh boy. He's hiding. Oh, oh God. So I texted Matt in all caps. I'm like, do we have duct tape? Because my first instinct was to seal seal that so he can't get out. And he either dies in there or if it leads to outside or something, he know that nothing can get in, which I probably still need to do. Jeremy, Jeremy, before you continue, because I would love to hear the rest of this, you do know that like almost all walls, like when you create walls, there's probably maybe half an inch between all of the walls in your apartment. Like the walls aren't like normally like just a flat piece of wood painted. There's like, there's space in between the walls. There is, yes. But I okay, just, all right. I, okay. I, I just want to let you know. Just let me like, have my <laughs> sense of security, okay? It's going to say, because if you duct taped it, they don't, I don't want you thinking, like, that'll suffocate him. <laughs> I got him now. <laughs> it won't suffocate him, but it'll make my life feel more secure as I walk by there. <laughs> so I try to shoo him outside, and he crawls back up in there. I text Matt, and I'm like, dude, where's the duct tape? And he's like, oh my God, kill it. And I'm like, where is it? And he's like, I don't. I don't think we have any. I'm like, are you serious? So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a paper towel and fold it up enough to fill that, that crevice. And just, I'm just going to jam it up in there to seal it. She said, yes, (laughs) I'm just going to jam it up in there to seal it. And again, that, that will be my security. So I do that and I'm thinking, awesome. Well, I come back. 20 minutes later when I'm about to go back into the office for real and he's chilling on the wall now. And I'm oh, like, that Oh, dirty bitch. This dirty bastard. So I'm thinking, okay, you want to play games now? That's what it is. You could have just crawled under the couch and just <laughs> been like, huh? He doesn't know I got out, but he's chilling right on the wall. He's taunting me. He's taunting you. He is. So I'm thinking, all right, this is going down. And I don't like squishing spiders. I think it's gross. I think like it gets on your shoes. My biggest fear is that I will go to stomp on one and it will be too fast and then it'll crawl up the side of my shoe and start crawling up on my leg. That's, that's called anxiety. Like that's called anxiety. <laughs> yeah. So I remember that Matt said when he has had a run in with a brown recluse before, which is what this was. So they're bigger. They're bigger. They're definitely and more very poisonous. Yes. I don't like any spiders. But this one is much bigger than what I'm comfortable dealing with. So I remember Matt said when he had to deal with one, he turned on heavy rap music and just amped himself up and went to war with it. Because I thought you were about to real. say, I, I, okay, I thought what you were about to say when you started there is I ramped up the heavy rap music and hoped he was a country music fan. <laughs> <laughs> he's like i'm i'm out of here this is I, so i can't I, like i hate this shit i'm gone why does that apartment underneath us just sleep with heavy rap on every single night uh they're driving away spiders 
Yeah, the, I, 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 I met him in the hallway the other day. Found out one of them has a severe arachnophobia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, haven't seen one in years. <laughs> yes. So when Matt had a run-in with a brown recluse, he would turn on hard rap music. All right, we already said that. So I remembered that when Matt said he had a run-in with his brown recluse one it was territorial and the way that he killed it was with windex drowning it in windex basically and yes yes so that's what i said i said if you want to play and you we have matt and i have destroyed every other spider we've seen in here we've seen about three and we have just we have just destroyed them. We are trying to send a message. And I said, if you want to play around, then I'll be back in a second. You <laughs> so want to play went, ball? Let's, let's play ball, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, I went and got the, the Windex and came back, and I, I started spraying him, and he charged at me. He was making a last stand. Oh, crap. <laughs> he charged at me. And Matt said, I don't think that that's uncommon because – Matt's girlfriend, Leah, also had a run-in with one, and it put its two front legs up and charged at her. So they're territorial. So now this is personal, because this dude thinks that this is his place, and he has the nerve to come at me. Not only does he have the nerve to show up unannounced, not only does he have the nerve to show up unannounced and just assume that he can hang out here, but he has the nerve to then think that I'm invading his place. No. Nope. That's not happening. So slowly, he just kind of started fading into the ground as he was charging the, the Windex, inhaling all that Windex. He, he was fading. Um, <laughs> he had a couple legs still kicking. He was trying his and best. He, he was. He wasn't going down easy. So I took a cereal box. <laughs> okay. I took a cereal box, an empty one that we had sitting next to the recycling. And I tried to like shoot, like basically push him out of the front door with that. And he did, he was, so now he's like six inches on my doorstep. Okay. And he starts to get up again. He's making one final stand. Oh, he's not dead yet. He starts to get up again. So I went and got some bleach and I poured just a little couple drops on him and he was, (laughs) he was done. (laughs) (laughs) So, there's a, a poisoned spider corpse laying six inches in front of my front door outside. And part of it's to send a message. The other part of it is because it's super gross and I don't want to, I don't want to pick it up yet. But when I came home from work today, he was still there. Didn't move, obviously. <laughs> Naturally. But I felt a mutual respect once, once I had time, the day to reflect on it. I, I figured from one warrior to another, it was, it was a well-fought bout. He, he, he tried, he tried, he tried to, he tried to get after me, but I, I was a little too quick and powerful. And I had, I, I utilized chemical warfare and he didn't. So <laughs> here's, here's what this tells me. And I'm a hundred percent serious in this. We need to like find online, like a real life bullfighter. 
And we need to tell him that story and just be like, so we're the same person, except for the- <laughs> <laughs> just be like, we are both tangled with vicious, vicious beasts. The only difference is my vicious beast wasn't drugged up. How many legs does your vicious beast have? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 a 10,000 pound bull. <laughs> oh, it only had four legs and a tail. <laughs> I texted Matt. I texted Matt afterwards. I said, "I said, uh, got his ass. You made it out, and I drowned him in Windex." And then he replies back, "Let's go. Don't crawl up the spout if you can't handle the rain." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "They just don't understand." <laughs> no, nobody will understand. Just what happened here? Move over, Alamo. We have a new landmark in Texas. <laughs> it's apartment 1116. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Well, that sounds wonderful. That sounds like you had a triumphant, triumphant day. Um, I really did. Where... I feel bad because I violated the Geneva Convention in this fight. <laughs> okay. Okay, Jeremy, the amount of times that I have taken prisoners – I have committed war crimes and that I have used chemical warfare on Lauren alone is uh... (laughs) (laughs) taking prisoners. Okay. All right. Lauren and I, because that's my remote control, (laughs) not hers, (laughs) because we're watching Sports Center, not, not the real housewives. (laughs) oh boy okay well we each had considerably enjoyable weeks uh the trade trade deadline was this week how do you feel about clevenger moving man i uh i haven't had the time actually to read about the prospects that we got i saw him yesterday i saw Naylor get a base hit um but really that i mean that's about it i haven't i haven't read into it it's been a crazy start of the week start to the week. So I haven't really read into it as much uh, with Clevenger going. I get it. Um, they got a good haul for him. It sounds like um, the thing that frustrates me a little bit is it's not really the type of haul that sets you up to win now. I agree. You've got some of their top 15 prospects and that's great, but I, I just, this team can win now and this team is, this team has been capable of winning now and it's been one or two pieces away from winning now um, for four years now. And so it's a little frustrating when a trade comes through for majority prospects and, and you're thinking, what, was there any discussion for a bigger name player? I mean, Joey Gallo's name was tossed around a little bit, but I wasn't ever expecting us to go after him. Nolan Arenado's name was tossed around a little bit. Um, I didn't think he was going to move. No, and I don't think the Indians would spend that money or, or trade no chance. Or that big of a package for him. But, but it, it's a little frustrating. I'm not quite sure what – you know, it just seems like the outlook was more long-term when I think a short-term move will get this team over the top. And, they, you know, there's not – there was – it doesn't seem like that was in the cards. Uh, the the Indians for the last years have been playing the way that I used to play MLB franchises. 
and I would hoard prospects. Some, some great, some good, some okay. And I would just never pull the trigger on like a really good player, even though I had the assets to do it. And that's just what the Indians have been doing. They have, they keep collecting prospects and they keep making these deals and they keep, you know, and they just, one, they never pull the trigger Two, they all end up being like B, B minus guys, like not bad guys, but I mean, they're like maybe the seventh or eighth piece on a championship winning roster. And it's like, yeah, a team of eight, nine guys isn't going to win it. And I just think the Indians are so good at obtaining talent and then they're great at getting the best out of their talent. And it's just, it stinks when uh, you just give away so much talent. I mean, you gave away Kluber. I think that was a money thing. That's turning out to not be terrible because he just can't stay healthy anymore. I, I didn't quite understand the Trevor Bauer getting rid of him. I, I didn't quite get that. And then this Clevenger thing, I think in a vacuum, if Corey Kluber traded in happen and Trevor Bauer didn't happen, I wouldn't get the Mike Clevenger probably the most out of all of them. And from a base standpoint, to be honest with you, I don't really get the Clevenger deal, especially with the haul that you got, because, you know, the idea of, the idea of trading a guy, say he's going to be a free agent and, you know, trade deadline happens halfway through a year. A lot of times guys get traded the year of their free agency. So their free agents in October, they get traded in July. He's going to be a free agent next October. So when you trade a guy that early, you end up getting more of a haul because you get the guy for a year and a half. And this was, it just was a deal where I'm not big on one of the guys that you got and I'm not big on him for uh, the same reason that we'll, we're going to get to this. We'll, we'll get to talk about this, but one of my, one of the prospects of the last you know 15 years that I was really excited about, he was a top quote unquote top prospect for like three years in a row. And if you're a top prospect for like three years in a row, you're not going to be very good because eventually you have to make the jump to being the real deal. So this guy's been a top 50 prospect. I mean, he started with the Reds and then he was traded in the Trevor Bauer deal. And now he's gotten traded again. I mean, that just tells me a lot because if he was that good, he like, again, they gave up like the ninth best prospect in their system. If he's been traded that much, now he's the ninth best prospect. They must not have much faith in him. Like the Reds didn't. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I think the clue, I mean, I think the, the Clevenger trade had to have had something to do with the whole going out in Chicago incident because. But then why, but then why not trade Plezak too? Well, that's the thing is, is Plezak was the one that, that made that mistake initially, but Clevenger was the one that lied about it afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, but he was on the block beforehand. I mean, they were talking – I mean, once the whole season started, there were rumors that they were going to trade him. Uh, albeit they weren't – it was more – it was a much less of a, like, rumor. And they got – I think that this might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. But they, I think they were still going to trade him. That's my – that's what I think. I think they were still going to trade him. And I just don't – I don't really get it. I, I mean, why pull the trigger – for that little when you still have a year and a half of them. Yeah. And, and, and it makes sense. Again, it makes sense that he would be traded 
independent of this incident because when you look at that roster, you feel like if you get rid of Clevenger, you can get a good bat in that lineup for him. And that was probably the most, I think, sensible idea is trading Clevenger and getting a bat for him. But that's not what they ended up going with. They ended up going the prospect route. I mean, they're just selling, and it's just sad because if you're going to trade Clevenger for that little, it's going to sadden me. How, like they're trading Lindor. I th- it's and it's it must break your heart. And we've had conversations about this for the last six months of how just despicable it is of the Cleveland Indians organization right now and how they're treating Lindor. How in the past Lindor has been like, hey, here's where I want to be. I want to be here. I want to do it for this city. I love being in this city. And then the GM, as much as a year ago, is literally openly like, yeah, enjoy him while he's here because he's not going to be here much longer. And, you know, he's out here. I want to – because I, I, I remember calling you, I think, probably three, four months ago. And it was after a year of the Indians being like, yeah, enjoy him. Enjoy him. Yeah. And then Lindor must have finally said, like, look, they're not going to sign me for even close to the amount of money I want. I might as well just like start, you know, start looking. And then the Indians kind of came out and be like, look, he doesn't even want to sign with us. And it, I, like to my way I saw it, it was like, no, like, no, he wants to, how many times does he have to say he wants to be there? And maybe that is him just saying all the right things, but still like your GM is just like, yeah, enjoy him while he's here. Cause he's not going to be here much longer. It just, it sucks. And it's despicable that you're going to be an owner of an MLB franchise and not, willing to spend money you don't you can treat this you can't really treat this entirely like a business it just doesn't make it possible because also when you do spend the money you reach you get the uh the rewards you get the dividends because a championship brings in money period yeah i mean it's it's frustrating to be the owner of a franchise it's frustrating to see the owner of a franchise refuse to sign what could be his franchise player, which would what is or who is his franchise player and see a franchise owner not want to take that next step and truly make him Mr. Cleveland for the next decade. It's, it's frustrating because this guy exemplifies Cleveland and he wants to be there and he loves that underdog mentality despite him being not an underdog he's been one of the most highly touted prospects in baseball for the last decade and he he loves that underdog mentality he wants to win with Cleveland and he will be your guy for a decade he will proudly play for your city and for your team and they're not going to take the steps to make that happen and it's it's very annoying and, and it's just okay. they've done it, done it for years. They've done it with uh, people before. I mean, they refuse to spend any money on Brantley. Uh, they've just – I mean, that's. I guess that's the plight of being an Indians fan. It's just they just don't want to spend the money. The fans are so passionate, and the ownership groups just don't do it. And it stinks. So speaking of prospects, you had a very interesting topic – for us to discuss this week, and that is the three most exciting slash highly anticipated prospect debuts that that we have personally 
wanted to see or saw. Um, who do you have on your list? My number one pick, I alluded him to him earlier, he was a catcher. And he was coming up around the exact same time as the likes of Gary Sanchez, maybe even a little before Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge and all that. Um, and first I saw in 2009, he was the 40th prospect in the MLB. In 2010, he was the 19th best. In 2011, he was the sixth best. And then in, the tw and, and then in 12, he was the eighth best prospect. His name was Jesus Montero. He was supposed to be the next great catcher in this league. He was supposed – here is what was written. It, it was his defense isn't that good, but his bat's going to make up for it. And then a couple prospects down on the Yankees list was Gary Sanchez, who was one of the best bats in the league. They said his bat isn't quite what Jesus Montero's is, and that's okay. So he was supposed to be unreal. And he just was that guy where he was a top prospect for five, four or five years. And we ended up trading him for uh, Michael Pineda, uh, who was just like an above average pitcher, who, a younger pitcher for the Mariners. He had like two good, not great, good seasons at age like 23, 24. We traded Jesus Montero for him. Michael Pineda stunk and Jesus Montero stunk too. Huge bust. But I was so excited for this guy. What has he done since? Uh, nothing. I don't think. Uh, let me look it up. But he, I, he made his debut a couple years ago. Um, he didn't really do anything. He made his debut at age 21 in 2011 for the New York Yankees. And then they traded him uh, before at age 22. Uh, in his, he had 18 games. Uh, for the Yankees at age 21, and he hit 328, and he had four home runs in 61 at-bats. I mean, he came out on fire. He's like, he's he up to the potential. He's going to be great. They trade him to Seattle. He hits 260, and he plays 135 games, and then the most games he ever played after that was 38. Out, out in 2015. He had a career – he had 28 career home runs, and he hit 253. I mean, he just – he wasn't good. He just wasn't good. I mean, coming out hot, the Yankees, during the last – I assume with the month of September, I loved him. I thought he was awesome. I was so angry when we traded him for Michael Pineda. And, I, and Michael Pineda was good. I think – I mean, he came off a good young – I mean, he was like 25. I was obsessed with Jesus Montero. I wanted to be Jesus Montero. And he just – didn't do anything. And I just remember being like, oh, this sucks. Because baseball is one of those where, because I went back. I went back, and because I, I was when I was looking up people for this list, I went back to like 2010, trying to find all the prospects. And it's funny that like in the top 10 of lists, there were all these guys. There were one or two like stars. And then the rest of them were like, everyday players i mean really good everyday players and then some and then there, every now and again there would be one that's like i don't even know who that is i remember him but no i don't remember who was your uh, who was your number one pick i know i gave this to you a little while ago and again this could be 
the, I mean, this is prospects. I think this could be guys that turned out to be all that. I mean, if you were a huge fan of Mike Trout in the minors, you can be like Mike Trout's my number one pick. He panned out. I got a bunch of I got a bunch of guys that didn't really pan out because those are <laughs> those are the guys that I've been like, yeah, he's gonna be awesome. I'm so excited for him. So who's your number one pick? Oh, I love that because I've got three that did pan out. And so the contrast there, like you were saying, is incredible. And that's just that's just the difference between baseball and other sports is when you are drafted in baseball, it's a grind. You, there are so many opportunities for you to get lost in the mix and struggle and just not make it. And it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy because you can be a top prospect in baseball. And after a couple years, nobody will ever know your name. But if you're one of the top like five draft picks in the NBA or the NFL and you are a bust, People remember, people really remember, but there are countless top five picks in major league baseball that didn't pan out that people just don't remember after like two years because they stagnate in double a or high a and you just don't hear about it. Exactly. I mean, the difference, I think the huge difference is, is that in every other sport, you're the number one pick you're in the league right away. You may not be starting. All right. But you're playing. Uh, I mean, there's no chance that Zion Williamson was going to go to the G league. I mean, there's no exactly. chance that there's no chance that Joe Burrow is going to the practice squad. But exactly. guess but guess what? Spencer Tolkerson, who just was picked number one overall for the MLB, we're not gonna see him for if we're lucky, two years. Yeah, hey, he's probably starting out in Lakeland. Yeah. Oh yeah. He I mean he's in rookie league, he'll be in fall ball. Casey Mize was the number one overall pick two years ago and he just made his debut. And if it wasn't for COVID, he may not have made his debut this year. And, and if he was on a normal team that wasn't winning 40 games every year, he would have even further to go. That's and a normal he, Tigers he's, team. He's, he's benefited from the state of the organization so far. But at the same time, it still took him two years. No, exactly. Going off your point, even before you even say you're your, your guy, I'm just going to give you – I went back to a random year – where it should be a mixed bag of guys you've heard of and guys that you haven't heard of. The 2012 Major League Baseball draft. Okay. Here's the top 10. All right. One of them was an all-star. And one of them is a weak all-star. <laughs> so the number one overall pick was Carlos Correa. Heard of him. He's good. Okay. Number two overall, Byron Buxton. Center fielder for the Twins. Okay. Number three, Mike Zunino, just an average, possibly below average catcher. Okay, number four, Kevin Gosman, right-handed pitcher for the Orioles, not good. Uh, Kyle Zimmer, right-handed pitcher for the Royals, nope, not good. Albert Almora for the Cubs, nope. Max Fried, finally starting to do something, going to be okay. And then here's a guy who, okay, we could do a whole thing on quite possibly my favorite prospect or most interesting prospect of all time, Mark Appel. He was the number one. So he got drafted in 2012. He got drafted eighth. Yep. I know just who he is. Didn't sign. He didn't sign after getting drafted eighth. And then he was drafted number one overall 
and I don't believe he's signed either. Wait, nope, that was Brady. A- yep, nope, never mind. He did sign, but that was Brady Aiken, who I was thinking of. Brady Aiken didn't sign as the number one, and then he got picked in the first round. Both guys, not good. All right, who's not? Sorry to interrupt you. Who was your first guy? Well, number one has to be Bryce Harper. I I watched so many YouTube highlights of him. I remember watching the E60 episode they did on him when after he hit the 500 foot homer, and I watched yep. that so many times. I I thought it was so cool um, following him throughout the minors. I thought it was crazy that, and I don't know actually how common this is, but for him. I remember at the time, I thought it was so crazy that he went to JUCO and then he sat out a year so that he could be eligible for the draft. And Hmm. I thought that that was crazy. And just everything about his journey and how just unbelievably insane he was. Because on the mound, he was throwing like 96 as a pitcher. He's throwing 96 on the mound for his high school. Yikes. During 96 on the mound, he was hitting I, – I don't want to exaggerate it, but it, it was something like hitting, yeah. six, hitting like 600 or something. Like he had a 572-foot home run. Not cause, yep. or no, I'm sorry, 571. Because when he got asked by the reporters, they said, oh, you hit a 517-foot home run, which is monster. And he was like, no, it was 571. You got it wrong. That should speak for itself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the video of him walking the E60 reporter behind the outfield fence up this little dirt hill over the highway and like 20 feet into the desert. And he was like, yeah, I landed about here. (laughs) And yeah. And it was just so, it was just so crazy following all of that. And eventually he gets, you know, he gets into the minors and he just had a crazy fast route up there. He's the only athlete ever, aside from LeBron James, to be on Sports Illustrated and dubbed the chosen one. And he was just everything about him. I just found so fascinating, so exciting. I still do. Um, I love the way he plays the game. I when I was in high school. Well, actually, I think Bryce was in the – when I was early high school, I think is when Bryce made his major league debut. 2012. But, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, seventh, it, it, that was seventh, seventh grade. No. Um, no. no. He, that was he made his sophomore year. year. Yeah. So, my dad bought us Mud Hens tickets um, to go see Bryce play because he was up with the Syracuse Chiefs. Yep. Yep, yep. Am yep. I getting that right? Yeah. Yes. They're yes, the Triple affiliate. So he was up with Syracuse and they were playing against the Mudhens. But the like two days before, he bought the tickets like two weeks in advance because, you know, the Mudhens games, they 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 get about 70% capacity, 75% capacity, I would say, on almost every single night. But the days where it's sold out is when there's a big prospect which even then, like, it doesn't really sell out for prospects. When it usually sells out is when a Tigers player comes down on rehab. Like, every time Verlander, or Scherzer, every time Verlander or Scherzer would come down on rehab, it's absolutely standing room only. 
And, but the unique situation with the prospect is when Bryce was coming to play and my dad got mm-hmm. tickets like a week early, which you never do for mud hens games. You get them like the day, the day of, and you're like, Hey, Friday night, you want to go watch the mud hens play? They're $10 tickets. Gotcha. So it's like, it's like a spur of the moment type of thing. But my dad got him like a week early and two days before the game was supposed to happen, Bryce got called up. He was only in AAA for a short amount of time. And I was so bummed because I wanted to see him play. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll probably see him play one day in the, in the majors, but I want to see him. I want to see him play in the minors and see what it's like. I just didn't get to see him play just because he got called right up and I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to see how long. It was, was a year in. and a half. Year and a half he was in because uh, he came up at the end of the first month of the season. So he got drafted in June of 2010, went to fall ball, spent an entire year in the minors, and then he came up at the end of April of, of uh, that year, which is unreal. Yeah. I mean, he was 19. He was 19 and he was playing in the major league. And this is one of those things that makes me feel like the biggest piece of crap in the world. Because at 19, I was blacking out in a chicken suit in the hallway of our dorm. And he was hitting 450 foot home runs on ESPN. I can, I can confirm both of those. (laughs) It's shocking. It's shocking. Like this year, whenever Zion, when Zion, and I was just like, I was looking, Zion was one of the first ones that made because he was born in 2000 and I have a little brother who was born in 2000 and they're like five months apart. And I always use Zion Williamson. And I, like the, the thing that just doesn't make any sense to me, just makes zero sense to me. Is you look at Zion Williamson, you look at like Emily Radzikowski and you look at Ben and Zatari and we are all the same species of people. That doesn't make sense to me that we are like the same species, not one bit. It, it, it absolutely doesn't. I don't – it leads me to question if they truly are. <laughs> because when you see somebody – when you see somebody like Zion walking around and you're like, yeah, that kid is four years younger than us. No, he's not. He's five years younger than us. <laughs> no, he's not. And and you see some of these – some of these, like, 19-year-old – football recruits that end up going to play in the SEC and you're like you're 320 pounds with a full beard don't you dare tell me that you are 18 years old they 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 are different they're an elevated I wouldn't say a different species but they're an elevated level of our species Zion Williamson was like when he was 15 he was doing windmill dunks when I was 15 I got armpit hair (laughs) When I, when I was 15, I was super pumped to be put on JV baseball. I didn't even I, – I got cut from freshman baseball. <laughs> when Zion was 15, he was on getting millions and millions and millions of views of his highlights on YouTube. He was probably getting Beamers bought for him by Duke. He was getting on magazine covers. He, he was just, he was living, he's, he was living at that age, a life that you or I will never even come close to experiencing. And that was at 15. Yeah, 15. It's unreal what he got to do. We're not the same species. Not at all. Bryce Harper, Zion Williamson, Jeremy O'Brien. How? 
I was mad that the Tigers traded for Miguel Cabrera and Dontrell Willis. His name is Cameron Mabin, and he was a superstar. He yeah. was a stud. He was an outfielder for the Tigers. The guy did everything. I mean, he was unreal coming up. I mean, he was he, – he could run. He was the fastest guy in the league. He was a five-tool player. He was what Mike Trout was supposed to be. Maybe not that much power, but he was so good. And he just – like, I think he's played – he's been in the, the league for maybe 10 years. I mean, I, he probably has played, I don't know, eight seasons, I guess. I mean, he's he's made appearances every year. But, I mean, he played – all right, he got – he made his appearance and then he was in Florida. Eight games, 54 games, 82 games, 173 – or 137, 147, 14, 95. I mean – and he just never really did anything. I mean, he's got 72 career home runs. He's always been – he was a base stealer. He just never panned out. And, uh, I mean, he was so good that I was mad that we got Miguel Cabrera. Well, I mean, think about it. And Miguel – Miguel, and you compare their body types, you compare just the type of athlete they look at – they look like. I mean – you have Miggy, and then you have Cameron Mabin, and he was just built like a stud. And there's every reason for people to compare him. Obviously, again, it was before Trout that he was a prospect, but it makes sense for people to put that type of hype around him because you look at him, you're like, this guy is an athlete. He is it's just like you look at Trout, and you're like, this guy's build is ridiculous. This man is so just such an athlete. And I understand why you would be upset about it. And obviously – you know, Miggy's going to have his number retired by the Tigers, I'm sure. But, <laughs> to, say the, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. He'll probably have a statue outside of Comerica. Yes, but, that's more like it. But it, it really isn't too crazy to say that you were frustrated because he was such an exciting prospect to be coming up and to have him patrolling your outfield. Can you name – there was another big name. There were two big prospects that were given up for him. Can you name the other one? Because he actually pitched for the Indians for a little bit. He was a so big, he was a big time pitching prospect, starting pitching prospect, and then he was converted. Converted, converted, not to a not then to he was a reliever. He was converted from a starter to a reliever. Yes. Interesting. And so he would have come from the Marlins as well, right? He went from the Marlins. He was a failed starter for the Marlins. He went to Boston, failed starter for Boston. Boston converted him. His name is Andrew Miller. Oh, shit. He was involved in that trade. He was the number two piece. It was Cameron Maben and Andrew Miller who were the number one and number two prospects in the Detroit Tigers, and I believe they were both top 20 prospects in the MLB. Yeah, I was going to say, he would, have been, he would have been young at that time. Andrew, I mean, Andrew Miller was supposed to be that. I mean, because which makes it – I mean, I know they're different, but they – because I was thinking about this. 
in the last five years, call it, they're giving up way less for these superstar guys, right? Like, I remember now, like, I saw, I forget who it was, but, like, Mookie Betts, they gave up, like, Alex Verdugo, but they got to keep, like, their number one, number two, and number three prospects to get Mookie Betts. And I'm like, no, 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 back in the day, you gave up number one through five plus yeah. your backup, plus your backup third baseman. Like, that, and it was like, then we'll consider it. And you, and you know what? That might be a result of the Moneyball era in, in a weird, indirect way because – you go back to that, that famous line from the movie about Johnny Damon, where Jonah Hill's character is saying, when the Red Sox are buying him, we see Johnny Damon as his name. But statistically, I don't think he's worth all that money. And you could yeah. say the same about prospects, where back in the day, you would see a Mookie Betts type of guy, and you'd see Mookie Betts, and you're like, he's a superstar. We need him. We need him. But maybe, maybe it's a result of the analytics where, although Mookie is awesome, the analytics are probably telling them that the odds and, you know, whatever you want to say, the outlook, maybe that's the best word for it, the outlook for giving up three of our top five prospects for him, it doesn't make sense to do that anymore. And that could be a very, a very uh, probably – well, I, I would say definitely less talked about impact of the analytical era of just you're not shelling out prospects. Prospects aren't this indisposable thing that you're going to toss three or four of them to another team just to get this trade done. It's much more, you know, not saying it wasn't calculated before, but it's, it's calculated in a different way. And I think that way is driving up the value of prospects and the, the potential future value of them is – making it so that the exchange rate for a superstar to prospects is just less than it was. And I think like the thing that's so different than basketball, and I'm going to try and speak carefully because this could come out really, really stupid, but I would say that the superstar is much, 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 much less valuable in MLB than it is in any other sport. I mean, well, again, take basketball, for example, the Boston Celtics in 2007 had the worst record in the MLB, in the NBA, the worst record. They won like 17 games. They had Kevin Garnett and they had Ray Allen. And now they're the, they were the best team. They had the best record and they won the NBA championship. Okay. I mean, uh, say the heat, you add LeBron and you add Chris Bosh, you come back to the Cavs, you add LeBron, you're the best team in the league. Mike Trout hasn't made the playoffs once and he's not making it this year. Um, so in, in, like in basketball, I always think, I always like to think in, cause this is how I actually got a love, a lot of love for sports was, uh, video games. And that, um, if, if Mike, Mike Trout, which he is, he's a 99, Mike Trout's a 99 and just say LeBron is a 99. All right. In basketball, would you trade two nineties, say like a, uh, like a Russell Westbrook and a Chris Paul, would you trade Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul for LeBron? I probably wouldn't. I probably if I if I was LeBron, I I wouldn't give him up for two nineties. In baseball, you're, are you gonna give me? I can't think, but two ninety overalls for Mike Trout. I'm gonna take the two ninety overalls. Two firm All Stars for the MVP. I'm gonna take the two firm All Stars. Uh, uh, give me Anthony Rendon and Fernando Tatis and or Trevor Story. Excuse me, Trevor Story and Anthony Rendon for uh, for Mike Trout. I might I might accept it because. 
that production, you're, you know, two guys can equal the production. And I think that that's just a lot different with the, what you're saying with the prospects is that, you know, you're talking about individual guys and yeah, you have this war, you have war and all that. But when you're talking about it, it is kind of minuscule in that it's a very incremental game. I think that's a fantastic way to look at it. And I think, I think it, again, it perfectly extends on that point about the value of prospects. That's a crazy good way to look at it because you're right. Most all teams would trade two nineties for a 99 and you just, you just wouldn't see that necessarily in the NBA because that single player can have an exponentially larger impact on the straight up outcome of a game. You need to pair a couple of different players together, not even a couple. You need to, you know, to be a true championship team, you need to pair several good players together in baseball. Or you just want, or it just won't happen. It's like, you know, like we were talking about with the Indians. You you have several players on there who you could consider a 95. And yet it's still missing some significant pieces to even win the division. And it's just, I think it just, Again, it just illustrates that point about the value of prospects. So my number two that I'm going to go with is Steven Strasburg. He goes hand-in-hand hand with Bryce Harper. He really does. Um, I, I really liked what the Nationals were doing back in the day. I thought – I remember watching their opening game back on TV, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Because Washington, D.C. is this cool city. It's – over on the, you know, it's over on the East Coast. It's this awesome city. They, they, the Nationals were the new team. They had the brand new stadium. I, I just remember, I thought it was super cool. I mean, if anything, they, they were almost my, my National League team. And I just thought that it was the coolest thing. And then you see that these players that they're drafting are really, really, really prolific prospects. And I remember first time I heard about Steven Strasburg is I was sitting in in the waiting room at the dentist's office and I remember seeing this article this magazine cover and I tried googling it and I just couldn't find it I found magazine covers of Strasburg from when he was already in the majors but this magazine cover that I saw had in big letters a hundred mile an hour and I looked at it and it was this kid from San Diego State and he's like six six you know Strasburg's a big dude He's like 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, something like that. And in the magazine, he's posing, and it just says in big letters, 100 miles per hour. So I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to read that story. And I read about his career. I read about, you know, the no-hitters. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing, that he was, he was again, kind of like Bryce Harper, not to that level, but he was another one of these guys that are like, this is the future of the Washington Nationals pitching staff right here. Just like, just like um, when Bryce was coming up, this is their future outfielder. Doesn't pan out like that long term, but for Strasburg, that was the same way he was built. He was built. This is the this is the cornerstone of their rotation for the next decade. And again, he had the, all the flash. He's a starter that throws a hundred miles an hour. You just don't see that. You see guys sit consistently. 94 to 96 if you're a starter and so when you see somebody that's got starter stamina and starter um discipline and the ability to go deep into games who's throwing 100 it's going to catch everybody's attention and it definitely caught mine he was very exciting 
And I think that what added, because I love Strasburg, and he was one of those that was on my list because I thought he was such a great prospect, him and Bryce Harper, because when he was drafted, I think Bryce Harper was a catcher. And they were supposed to be batter's mates. And then it was it was very immediate that they're like, no, we're actually going to take him to the outfield. But I think the handling of Steven Strasburg elevated his status in my eye even more. I mean, where I remember when he made his debut, they were in an active like playoff race and he was lighting it up. And they were like, look, no, he's on an restrictor. We're not extending it. We, he is He's going to hit his cap. We're taking him out, and we're not putting him back in. And they're like, we're a game and a half out. He's supposed to start today. He can win us this game. There are 10 games left. And they're like, no, we're not putting him in. And I think that added to it. And then he ended up just tearing his UCL anyway, But which I, I, I kind of laughed at because it, the, the whole thing kind of blew up in their face because, like, it just didn't work. <laughs> uh, but I think that added to his lore so much more, too, being this mythical creature, this mythical golden arm. I mean, I remember people comparing him to Tom Seaver, to, I mean, Pedro. I mean, they were like, this kid is legit. And he's been very good. He's been all-star level. Um, he has last year, last year he went and got himself a ring, too, and he pitched well. Yeah, he's done very well. I mean, has he lived up to the hype? Um, I think he was in those, one of those situations where it's impossible, where I'm going to say that like even Bryce Harper, who won an MVP, didn't live up to the hype um, because the hype was Mike Trout, and he's not Mike Trout. I mean, that's what – again, we could, we could switch the whole thing. That's what makes LeBron the greatest for me, incredible, that like he had all of this hype and he may have even exceeded it. That's a whole different – but that's the, that's the problem with all this hype is that – Again, Steven Strasburg has been awesome, but has he lived up to the hype for me? I don't think so. I don't, he hasn't won a Cy Young. How can he have lived up to the hype by being only – I mean, look it up. He might be a six-time All-Star in like nine years, but has he lived up to the hype? Probably not because he hasn't won a Cy Young. And it's just that's where hype can get a little dangerous. Number uh, three for you. I'm, I just looked him up. I, got, I mentioned he was the number two overall pick in 2012. Um, okay. He debuted on the MLB prospect watch list in 2013 as the number one prospect in 2013, Byron Buxton. He was the number one prospect in 14, and he was the number one prospect in 2015. Okay. The other guys who were not the number one prospect, um, I'll give you in his final year as being the number one prospect, guys who were not the number one prospect, Joey Gallo, Trey Turner, Tyler Glasnow, Yohan Moncada. Um, the second year where he was the number one, guys that were not the number one, Carlos Correa, Chris Bryant, uh, Francisco Lindor, Joey Gallo, Noah Syndergaard. I mean, we're talking about real big-time superhero people. Uh, Francis, uh, year before Correa, Javi Baez. And he's been okay. I mean, he's been okay. I mean, he's been a center fielder for the Twins for a couple of years now. He's been, I mean, not bad. Um, he's all, he's kind of a defensive guy. He's just, he's all right. He's a solid, real solid starting uh, center fielder. Uh, but it's all because of his defense. I mean, he won a Gold Glove award. Um, in his career, he's hit two forty. He's been hurt a lot. 
He's, I mean, he's still only 26. I mean, he's not bad, but I can, I mean, he's not <laughs> number one. I could tell you that. And it's just been, I remember he was the guy that back in the day, like 2014, I used to find a roster download so I could play as Byron Buxton because he wasn't in the game and I'd make him like a 91 and just be like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play until he's a 99. And I just like, I had to get oh my God, it was so much fun. And he's just been meh. And it's just, it stinks. And I think that's another one. We're looking back on it again. You're the number one for so many years. Eventually you have to make the jump. And if you don't make the jump, that's when red flags have to start coming up. Yeah, I totally agree. You, you look at the other guys in his class, like you said, and you, you can make, you know, you can make these excuses and you could say he, he hasn't, you know, he's been hurt, things like that. But at the end of the day, in terms of a prospect panning out, it also has to do with staying healthy. And the other guys in his class for the large part have, stayed not only stayed healthy but turned into true superstars in the game today and and he just hasn't reached that point yet and and maybe hopefully he does because he's he plays an insane center field I feel like I see something every week of him making some ridiculous catch um but in terms of his hitting he's he's like you said I'm looking at it right now he's a 237 career hitter and so you at the end of the day you got to look at one, he held that number one ranking for so long. At some point, I think I think you put it in a perfect way. At some point, you have to make that jump from that number one prospect to number one prospect hitting the league, figuring it out, to are you going to be that number one guy? Are you going to turn into a superstar caliber guy like we projected you and like the guys who were ranked behind you have already done? And I'm looking at it right now. I'm just looking at his stats. I mean, and this was like low. It was low A or whatever. But he hit in 2013, he hit 333 in the minors. Um, in 2014, he hit um, – no, he, he got hurt. He was hurt that year. Again, that's where it all starts, though. you got to stay healthy. If you don't stay healthy, I mean, that's part of being the top prospect. Uh, the next year, he hit 305 in the minors and he just never could make that jump. And I think it just says how hard it is. I mean, it's so difficult to do these things and it's so difficult to actually make the jump. And, you know, and that's why you also have guys that like with baseball, it can be so unpredictable. You have guys that kind of, I'll say come out of nowhere, but I mean, not that he came out of nowhere, but Juan Soto made the jump direct. He didn't hit triple a, he went straight from double a to the majors. I think Bryce Harper, almost did the same he was in triple a for barely any time at all and it's just like okay whoa he's like the 30th ranked prospect in the mlb who is it i mean and juan soto's obviously lit everybody on fire but it's just so interesting all right who's your third guy going along with the guys that panned out i, I get to be all depressing and you get to be you know the home runs well i, I would say i would say the third one is where it was exciting and it was panning out and then it so didn't. And that's almost brings a tear, my, tear to my eye, even mentioning him, but that's Grady Sizemore. And oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm going to get a little worked up here, but I remember as a kid, 
I mean, I was big into baseball cards. I had, I remember the coolest thing my dad ever bought me was one of the cases. You remember how they sold those where it was, it was almost like every player in baseball. I swear it was like 500. Oh yeah. And he bought me one of those one year and it was like $50 or something like that. He didn't buy it for me every year, but it was a gift one year. And I was like, in heaven. I thought it was the coolest thing. I separated them by teams. I was ranking them, things like that. And one of the cards, this wasn't in that packet, in that case, but one of the cards that I had that I specifically kept because I had several, um, I had several plastic sleeves that I would put my favorite slash the best cards in. Oh yeah. I had those for (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, okay. I will, I will not, sarcastically laugh at that because i was very into Yu-Gi-Oh as well <laughs> i think every i think every male like in our age group at some point was like yeah i i, I loved Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah Yu-Gi-Oh. Same, with, same with pokemon <laughs> well i never got into pokemon i was i was you nerd like, I watched... nerd <laughs> you, know, you didn't like I... pokemon you nerd <laughs> i watched Yu-Gi-Oh every saturday morning oh man on that was WB, the coolest on wb Hell yes. I, um, so this card that I had in the sleeve was a double-sided card. You know how they would have like sometimes those prospect cards where mm-hmm. it's two players on this card? It was Grady Sizemore and Jeremy Sowers. And that's a name that you might not even have any idea who it is. No, no chance. Um, Jeremy Sowers had pitched for the U.S. national team. Grady had played for them. They were in the, on the card. They were both in their Indian spring training gears, photos from them from spring training because they had yet to make their debuts. And I was thinking, like, Jeremy Sowers is decent. He's, you know, he's a good, he's a good pitcher. Um, good, you know, he's like an up-and-coming lefty in the organization. But I'm like, <laughs> where this is going to be worth money, I think, is Grady. And I remember following Grady, and this was when the Indians were affiliated with Buffalo. And Grady okay. came up. He made his debut. And he really just took off. He was a several-time all-star um, up there in the MVP voting. He was unbelievable. He, he was literally Superman. They called him Superman. He, would, he was making those ridiculous plays in the outfield. He was hitting. He started hitting for power, too. And yep, he had 33 he, home runs. Or- they – I have seen – comparisons saying that he could have been a Mike Trout level of player. The trajectory, the trajectory that he was on was unreal. And the injuries just really was, it was relentless for him. Um, He missed three, like including the year where he played 33, like he played 33 games, 71 games. And then he missed three entire seasons. That's incredible. Yeah. His true years, I mean, his war, listen to this, from 2005 to 2008, his war was 6.6, 6.6, 5.5, 5.9. After that, he gets hurt that one year, I think, and it's 2.2. Then negative 0.4. He only plays in 33 games. Then the next year, he plays in 71. It's 0.2. Goes to Boston, negative 0.1. Philadelphia, 0.3. Another year in Philadelphia, negative 0.6. And, I mean, talk about – I mean, you, you really don't see too many players go from 
go from MVP caliber to below replacement level. It's, it's, it was a staggering drop off. And I just remember it was, it was heartbreaking and it was, it just sucked to see him have to get traded, but it, eventually it was like, what, what can we do? Like he, he's Superman. He had a fan club cause he was a good looking dude. He had a fan. Oh, no, he was. I remember that called Grady's ladies. Like pe- women would wear <laughs> those shirts to games. My mom was borderline in love with him. And she, my, she mom, knows, yeah, my mom, my mom was a Grady lady. She was, she, she did not own a shirt, but she would generally know the names of several of the Indians players just by virtue of my dad and I sitting there every night watching the game. But mm-hmm. the one, most of the time she'd walk through, glance at the score, crack a joke at my dad if they were losing and then keep walking. But the person <laughs> she would stop and watch the whole at bat for was Grady. And, and it was just, it just sucked to see his career wind up like it did. I mean, he ended up netting $25 million over his career and he made that good money. He did sign a, a decent contract, but when you look at what could have been, I mean, he, he really was, if not a Mike Trout caliber player, um, he was undeniably like a Nolan Arenado type of numbers guy. And it I just mean, he, really sucks. Like you said, the money, he was on track to give it be a 25 a year guy. Um, I just want to pull this up, and this is why I was laughing a few minutes ago, because you said it was Grady Sizemore and then Jeremy Sowers, correct? Okay. Yep. I Googled Jeremy Sowers. The first one that comes up, it's just like, I haven't clicked on it, but like, here's, here's how bad this Jeremy Sowers fellow must have been. Because the first thing when you Google Jeremy Sowers is a Facebook profile. Don't know, but like if he's an MLB player, he, the first thing you should be is directly to his Facebook. And then number two, it's an inmate search in Arizona. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think of either of them or him, but he must have not been very good. I think it's like number one, like image searches is just this bald guy. Number two, full neck tattoos. Number five, horse mask. Jeremy so, Sowers was not very good. So funny as that reality would be i think you're spelling sours the different way he he was sours as in as in s-o-w-e-r-s boo boo i would very for the sake of the the story for the sake of the story that reality would be much better but he was a big (laughs) he was a big deal he went to vandy he was drafted out of vandy he was sixth overall pick, um, a U.S. national team guy, like I said. But <laughs> boo, boo, I'm so, Jeremy. I'm boo. so sorry to rain on your parade like that. I never was a very good speller. Uh, I li- so I listened to an interview. Did you ever watch New Girl? Uh, I have. New Girl, hilarious. But the guy who plays Nick Miller, I guess, like, I, I guess the character Nick Miller and, like, the guy who plays Nick Miller in the show, like, they have a joke that, like, Nick Miller says he can't read. And his exact words and his exact explanation for it, he must have stolen it from me. Because he just says, I just, I just memorized a lot of words. I don't actually know how to read. And that's exactly who I am. I don't know how to read. I just – because before we were trying to set up the, the Zoom, and it said, like, you need permission – to record and I was just like 
need permission to record. And I was like, that says, that's not right. And I did it again. It was just like, you need permission to record, to record, to rap, to, re to record. I just can't do it. I cannot do it. I am incapable of reading, especially if you put a word in front of me that I've never heard or seen, forget about it. No shot that I'm going to be able to pronounce it. Uh, like I, I got put in front of me. Oh my God. What was it? It was, um, it was armadillo got put in front of me and I guess I just never really <laughs> seen it. And I, and I, <laughs> I swear, I swear. I said, armadillo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the aramadildos. <laughs> could you imagine, could you imagine the product that would exist if that was the name of it? <laughs> oh my God, Jeremy. It's like a porcupine. <laughs> That would be it would be a very aggressive product. That would be the one that's behind that's behind the counter and they have to unlock the glass case for, before they can give it to you. They ask for your ID just to touch it. <laughs> yeah, I remember you said that. You said you've been saying the illiterate comment since like the first week of on campus at Miami. And I just don't people I'm were capable. People were general, genuinely confused at first and just, I guess, maybe not really knowing if you were, if you were being serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I think the initial thought of a lot of people was, surely, surely he knows how to read. He's here at college. But as it, went on, as it went on, people just stopped questioning it and they just, they just went along with it. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, no, I've seen him study. He cannot read. Like, like they're like, they're backing me up. They're like, no, I swear. He does not know how to read. We have no idea how we got here. But like, you throw numbers in front of him, he's like a computer. But like, you ask him to read a book, he's going to start eating the pages. <laughs> he's going to, I'm going to be like, he's going to, he's going to open the book up and he's going to put chili on it because he thinks it's a plate. <laughs> Wow, this plate has napkins built into it. What a great invention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just absolute ridiculousness of just because, I, I mean, I, I also heard another thing that I think that is also very true to me. It's like if you get asked, like, Ben, are you smart? Be like, I don't know if I'm smart. I know I know a lot of things, but I don't know if I'm smart. I, just, I think that's I, a very. I think that's a very important distinction because those two phrases, if you know a lot of things and if you are smart are not, they are not the same thing at all. Not at all. Because like, again, people, like this might not be the best because they actually might be genuinely smart because most of the answers have to deal with reading, but like jeopardy players, are they smart or they just know a lot of things like maybe both, but <laughs> But, but there's like definitely I, some on there that are not smart. It's like, no, I'm not very smart. I just, I read and like, I know facts. Like I know things. I don't like, no, I'm not smart. <laughs> does, like me. does knowing, does, does knowing every country around the Baltic Sea and 
1840s literature make you smart? Or okay. does it mean that you memorized all of that stuff? There was a question on Jeopardy. We've all seen it. it the, the category was football. Three people up on that stage. One of them was like, the answer was like the Cowboys. Like, this is America's team. They are in Dallas. And they were like, we don't know. And then it was like all of them. I was just like, these are the easiest things in the world. And then I thought to myself, oh, my. That, that, like, that category about Shakespeare, is somebody doing the same thing? Like, you morons! You morons! <laughs> this is the easiest thing in the world! <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't even know Shakespeare. I barely, I mean, I don't know him. I don't know, yeah, the guy there's, from Adam. There's, there's a category called typography, and all the answers are different fonts, and there's some guy sitting there when they all get it wrong, and everybody everybody else is sitting there like, yeah, I would have never gotten this. Guy's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> typography, I promise you that's a word, too, that if you put it in front of me, no chance am I coming up with typography. Just not a chance. It's like there's a <laughs> – it's like there's a Y as a second letter. Absolutely not. That's got to be a typo. Typograph. <laughs> Typography. Typography. Graphi. <laughs> just there's just no chance. <laughs> words words are so hard. They're so hard. And yet, but like again, at the same time, you could ask me like what a certain guy, like how many home runs he hit in an obscure year. Or you could ask me like who won the 1970, like the 1970 Heisman. I'll be like, I got it. <laughs> I mean, and then it's just like, okay, spell fearsome. Be like F-E-A-R-S-U-M, final answer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that you would say it with just as much confidence. Just answer. as much confidence. <laughs> just be like, just spell Spell the word dog. Be like, D-O, I know this one, D-O-double-G. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard this one spelled many times. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. We got, we're got. we going to get some all of these out. We want to thank all the people that listen. We've had several, I've had several people come up to me and say, hey, I really liked it. You know, or message me being like, I like it. And you know what? That makes it fun. That makes us feel like we're not just speaking into the void even though we would still be doing this anyway if we were just speaking into the void absolutely thank you all for your continued support um, go ahead and give us a follow on twitter at ben and jeremy's and there's a little underscore at the end of it some bastard took the at ben and jerry's handle and they haven't tweeted since like 2014 so that's a problem if it was an active account, I'd be a little less annoyed. So maybe I should just encourage all of our followers to go harass this guy until he gives us the at. Cyber bully, cyber bully, cyber bully. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Peace.